Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. Welcome to Monday Night Trek Talking. And this is a special show. We used to do this back in the day, and we called it Cadet Training. And when Discovery first came out, uh, there was a show on called After Trek. This is before Will Wheaton's Ready Room, and there was another Ready Room host in there. We're going way, way, way back to 2017. And to get people ready for Star Trek, they would recommend episodes that you should watch that would fill in holes for the current discovery. And we would review those new episodes on cadet training and talk about how they related to the episode that we just saw. Well, they stopped doing that. They haven't done it in years, but I just thought it would be a good idea to start doing that again. And the reason why I thought that would be a good idea is because there's so many people out there with 55 years of Star Trek that may not be aware that these episodes exist. Maybe they didn't watch a particular series. Maybe they're like me, and they moved to a part of the country that didn't have a UPN network, so they missed Voyager. You, you don't know. So I thought it would be fun to pick an episode and go back and talk about it. So that's what we're going to do. And this week we're going to talk about Carbon Creek from Star Trek Enterprise our phone number here is 646-668-2433. This is going to be a short show. We're only going to be around here for the next hour. So give us a call at 646-668-2433 and tell us what you thought about Carbon Creek. But before we dive right in, I want to introduce my co-host for tonight. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. When Jim talks about the winter weather, we're getting the blistery weather. Uh, well, we're under a slight wind advisory right now. They they think the wind might get up to 50 to 70 miles an hour. Wow. You know what? Yeah. I went to work this morning, and it was 28 degrees. I had to wear a coat. I got out of work to come home, and it was 60. It's just weird Vermont weather happens this time of year. Um I also think we have Paul on the line. We've been trying to get Paul on the line for about eight or nine minutes now, but let me see if I actually have him with us. Paul, well, can Jim, you hear us? Can you hear me on the phone okay? We hey, can hear you now. Paul. I, I played okay, con you for you three times. <laughs> well, you, got me, uh, you just got me on the regular phone, man. The other uh, system just doesn't seem to uh, reach my orbital 
velocity. I don't know why, but uh, but I'm here on the phone and uh, delighted to be here. I think uh, we got the weird weather thing all sewed up here in Portland, Oregon today uh, because unexpectedly four inches of snow this morning and uh, all kinds of winter havoc, which we thought was well, over with. When I did send you my tauntauns. So... <laughs> It was almost that bad. A lot of we got a lot of fallen trees to deal with. Um, no wampas, but a lot of no fallen wampas, man. So that's good. You got to stay away from those wampas. They eat tauntauns, so that would be it's bad. It's true, brother. It's true. So all you can do <laughs> is stay inside and watch Star Trek, right? That's that's your you and, know, that's yep. your go-to maneuver. And is that a bad thing? Well, you know, you could listen oh, to Trek no. talking too. You know, there's always that. And let me see, we have we have another caller on the line here. Hello, thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, David. Hello. Hey, David, what's up? Did you get my Tom hey. Uh Yeah, they were good. They were good? <laughs> So David, we're gonna, we're gonna, we are going to start um, our cadet re, our cadet training back up again. I thought it would be something fun to do. So I don't know if you were, I'm not sure if you were around when we were doing cadet training originally. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure, but we're going to start doing it again. So welcome to cadet training. So tonight, I decided to start off cadet training with an episode which is often overlooked from a series which is often overlooked. And we're talking about Carbon Creek from Star Trek Enterprise. Um, Carbon Creek was actually the second episode of the second season. And Star Trek Enterprise hasn't quite hit its stride by the second season, but it was getting there. And um, this episode is, is often overlooked. And I also think that uh, the UPN network really never gave Enterprise a fair shake. I think that Rick Berman and the crew was getting burned out from all the Star Trek they've been producing and just weren't giving it what it needed. And I'm going to prove that in right here because here is the trailer for Carbon Creek. It beams from another world. Visit Earth. We'll need to disguise ourselves. What is it? I believe you have that garment on backwards. The Star Trek story that rewrites history as you know it. I Love Lucy is on tonight. An all-new episode of Enterprise, next Wednesday at 8, 7 Central on UPN. That was it. That was the whole promo. That was it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, 20 seconds, Wednesday night, boom, end of story. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that, that UPN helped to bury this show as well, because face it, if you were on the fence about this show and you heard that promo, would that excite you to want to go and watch this episode? Um, no, I don't know, man. I mean, just, just here in UPN, that takes me way back. <laughs> I mean, really? And if you didn't watch it, you missed a gem of an episode, in my opinion. And uh, that's why we're going to talk about it. So as I said, this was the second episode of the second season, and uh, what makes one of the things that makes this episode unique or interesting is that it's not a time travel story. It's a flashback story. So it's not your typical let's go through the Guardian of Forever type of deal that's slingshot around the sun. 
but it does go back in time to uh, 1950, I, I believe, um, through a flashback. But what makes it even more interesting, and which I think speaks to one of the strengths of Enterprise, is that none of the main characters are in this episode. They start in the beginning, and they come back at the end, but the entire body of the episode is none of our main characters. Uh, however, um, uh, Jolene Blaylock does star in the episode as her own great-grandmother. Uh, so the episode is basically a flashback story, and it starts off with Trip and, um, and Captain Archer and Paul sitting in the captain's mess hall, and, you know, they're congratulating her on being the first Vulcan to serve a full year on a human ship, which, to this point, the record had been two weeks. So she not only did she beat it, she annihilated that record, blew it away. So there's that. And so they're sitting down eating, and they're, you know, just talking. And uh, and uh, drinking Archer, Archer asks her, he says something along the lines of, like, um, uh, like uh, I'm writing your evaluation or something like that, and I have a question for you. Yeah. I noticed that you visited Carbon Creek, Pennsylvania. And he says something like, you know, why, why would you go there? What, what made you go there? And that opens up the floodgate for her to tell this whole story. And so she basically tells the story that first contact between humans and Vulcans did not happen in Bozeman, Montana with Zephram Cochran, but it actually happened, what, 100 and plus some odd years earlier in Carbon Creek. And that's where this story picks up. And there's a, the Russians had just launched Sputnik. The Vulcans are flying by doing whatever Vulcans do. Um, they spot the craft, and they want to come in and investigate. And their UPS manifold malfunctions, whatever techno babble happens, and they crash in Carbon Creek. And we pick up the story. So uh, wh- what did you think about this episode, Charles? I mean... I know you've seen it several times, like myself. Uh, two or three. But I was going to say, when you tie this one a little bit into truck talking, they have a story and have some wine. They have some kind of red wine on there, and they do make the comment that it, they were surprised that she would actually drink a human alcohol but that she partakes a little bit with them for the evening. It's an interesting story. And she kind of winds it in a way that it sounds so wild that it couldn't be true. And I almost think towards the end, was this true or not? And yet we get that surprise in the end that kind of cues us in that, yes, it did happen. You know, I'm right there with you, Charles, because if you watch the episode at the end, you know, they're like, well, did that happen or did that not happen? And because Vulcans are so uh, straight, um, when she said to them, well, you asked me to tell you a story, I told you a story. 
and she leaves. And you're left thinking to yourself, well, was it a story or wasn't it? But then they have that definitive scene at the end where she goes into her quarters and she has her great grandmother's purse with the um, the um, uh, uh, um, Velcro thing in it. And that just confirms that the story she told you is true. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and there is more than that, though, man. It's more than that, I think, at the end. I mean, aren't we, I mean, giant spoiler alert for a, you know, multiple decades old episode, right? But is, is, is it her grandmother's purse or is she, in fact, her grandmother? I mean, that, that seems well, to be what they're saying is she, she's the one who was on that trip. No, not the, I think she got her. It seems to me like it's set up that she was the one who was there. I think they got her. I think that was a gift to her from her grandmother. But I don't know. Man. I, I definitely got a different vibe from that. Because it's. Vulcans are 150, 200 years old, and we're talking 1950 to... When is Enterprise? I'm I'm actually kind of agreeing with uh, Paul here that it might have been to Paul, because if they can live for quite a while, why would they say grandmother when that could have clearly probably been a mother, maybe? They make a and lot of. Get, they really make a point of like talking about how long live Vulcans are at the beginning, right? There, there's a huge amount of time like that, and and just the way um, her character is, whatever I'm oh, trying to remember what, what she was called. She's not called, you know, uh, by, to Paul in the in the back. No, oh, she, timeline. She's she's, uh, she's mural. Is that what it is? Okay, yeah. To, to but her behavior, she acts exactly the way. To Paul does right. It's like the captain of the ship is killed on impact when they crash, and she has to take over. And her, she's just exactly the same character. And I think that we're meant to think that at that end, because she pulls out that handbag with a great amount of reverence and fondness, and it's like this little secret of hers. And it's like at the end, she's basically getting to rekindle those memories with the two of them at dinner in the the wraparound story. And and it's like a secret. It's like she knows, and she's told them the story, and it's a way of confessing it, but without really telling them what actually happened. She just made up this this uh, label of this great grandmother, or whatever she, you know, whatever title she uses, right? And but I think the, the audience is the one who finds out at the end. Ah, I'm thinking it was you, my dear, there the whole time. I mean, that's my takeaway. Uh, I, I, I think you can. Uh, I think you can debate it. <laughs> Okay, I here's a question then, Paul. Do you think do you think that Paul is over two hundred? It's possible. I mean, I can't remember the exact dialogue, but they they talk a lot at the beginning that some Vulcans are older than others, and that no one's really sure. And she's kind of very poker faced well, during that conversation, so it's possible. And for all we know, and she never actually gave out her age. And it's a lot of trouble behind her, right? She could have had a, a, a time in a suspended animation thing for something and a story to be told later that, you know, makes her, you know, well, she's saved 50 or 100 years that way. Who knows? I, I do know that uh, mind. <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> be, uh, it wouldn't be her. At... 
150? Let's look at it. It could not possibly be her great-grandmother because that would put her way beyond, way older than that. The great-grandmother would have been her mother's mother. And if her mother was 200 years old, then she would have been in the 1900s. Her great-grandmother would have been in the 1800s. Like, so so when they're, when they're saying great-grandmother, it, it can't be great-grandmother, but it could be her mother. In fact, that makes more sense that it was her mother than her great-grandmother. In yeah, my that's, mind. That's what I was yeah. saying before. Like, it's the, the time difference between the 50s to, what was it, 20, 2150? Basically, 200 years yeah. ago. I and think her, her mother, may, it makes more sense to be her mother. But Yeah, but she, but, she, she basically said great-grandmother. So she's kind, kind of telling a lie. And Vulcans are known for telling lies, but they don't want to show it. <laughs> so well, here's the thing, though. We know who we know who her mother is because we her mother is a stalactite. Um, well, her mother is in the episode. Um, her mother is um, uh, um, um, to, um, help me, Charles. Who's her mother? We met her. I don't remember. Uh, uh, she's in the. Yes, her mother's in. In, uh, in the episode, the three-part Vulcan episode, the Vulcan Forge, the Vulcan Heart, and yeah. oh, there's three of them. That's They're her mother. The Syrenites. Yes, the Syrenites. That's right. Her mother's one of them in that if episode. You want to get really crazy, right? In Zero Hour, which is season three, T'Pol says that she will only be 66 years old on her next birthday. Yeah. So I know, it's in the realm of possibility, right? That I, I'm... I definitely can't. Otherwise, why would she have gone to Carbon Creek when they were there on Earth in the first place? Just to to honor the the mission that was as a secret? No, she went there out of her own personal nostalgia for it and having a chance to see if she was maybe going to see Mr. All again, that he's maybe still there. She doesn't know. And so and that's, 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 that, I really think there's a case to be made for it. So that's another thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, the, the, the character of Mistral was played by J. Paul Bonham. And you know what makes He's that awesome. unique is that he was named after George D. Mastrel, who was the actual inventor of Velcro. Isn't that cool? That, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. So that, there's a perfect come around. The episode originally aired September 25th of 2002. So it's, it's an oldie. But is there still a Vulcan wandering around on Earth? He's still here. <laughs> right? He huh. is here. And the other, the, what I find so interesting about this episode is Star Trek Enterprise went out of their way to make Vulcans dicks, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, they were just, they were backstabbing, lying, conniving, deceitful. They were everything that a Vulcan isn't supposed to be, they were. Um, we didn't like them. Very they arrogant. Were just, they were. They Very were terrible. Arrogant. But look at this episode, and, and uh, look at Tamir, and look at uh, Maestro? Maestro? Um, yeah, Maestro. He had a definite um, infatuation with humans. To the point where yeah. he watched I Love Lucy, he went to baseball games, and Tamir 
also got sucked into that because she went and gave the Velcro to the guy and got the money for the kid to go to college. So she got involved and liked the humans as well. So far to the point that they also saved the miners, which they didn't. Right, and he saved. That's right. He saved, which could have altered the future. We don't know, or was it a predestined? Was it a predestined time paradox? Paradox where they always saved the the. Well, that's a different story. Anyways, but. I still think we have one big question, though, that's unanswered about that episode, guys. At the end of the show, at the end of the episode, the the rescue party finally shows up from Vulcan. God only knows where they've been for, you know, six months or whatever, however long it's been. But they finally show up, and they're there to take them home. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Tamir slash Tapal, she kind of lies, right, about who's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, right? And they go away with the Vulcans and Bob's your uncle, right? And we see the Vulcan ship leave Earth, right? We see it take off. So, which begs the question, what about the original craft ship they came in on in the first place, right? Where they've been getting, like, their particle weapons from and that, that they got supplies from. It's still there, right? At That's some right. Point, isn't somebody going to find that ship? It's not going to stay close Unless forever. Unless they of it. Unless they, they don't show anything ship. about that, though. I mean, I would have liked to have seen when their their ship leaves, it's tractor beaming out the first ship or something to just let us know. But to me, it was like a big loose well, end, right? And I'm I very curious. She does go through the wreckage of the ship to get the Velcro. So we know up to a yeah, point the so. ship's still there. All right. And, and uh, listen, guys, we got to take a quick break here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna set the mood with the, with our commercial break. <laughs> it's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but your time is finally here. You can feel the change in your thoughts right now. Nothing's in your way, and they're not gonna hold you down no more. No, they're not gonna hold you down. Cause we've got faith, that's your call We want to hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you got to do is sound out You can reach us right now We've got faith We've got faith and we're back, and that's our very own Eric who who uh, sang that song. Uh, I thought job. that might be I'm, him. Yeah, that was Eric. But um, there is a Vulcan wandering around on Earth, playing baseball and watching "I Love Lucy." And Don't let that sink in. Okay, he's here uh, right now. He's here figure, you know, that was the 1950s. They can live to be 250, 300 years old. So he's wandering around right today, right now. He could be listening to this podcast. I mean, he's here. Uh, I mean, you know, he's here. And yeah, she lied about it. It's like, how much different, you, you see so many different uh, pieces of, of 
genre fiction that's a part of the franchise, right? Where people write all these, you know, ancillary novels that have to do with other events, right? You've seen how many of them have there been? Just hundreds over the years. I'm really surprised nobody's ever taken a crack at doing a spin-off novel to this episode. How did that story continue, right? What ha- what happened to uh, to uh, what happened to the inventor of, uh, of Velcro, Mr. Mestral, well, right? What what did he do after the fall and everyone left? Yeah. Hey, Mike, the problem is so many of those pocket novels so non-canon, and they produce so many of them. As Jim mentioned, when he used to read those things, read those things regularly, the story just got so repetitive that he gave up reading them. Yeah, there was four <clears throat> or five new ones. New... <laughs> yeah. Now that we're getting one every maybe every quarter, every six months, we're spending a little more time reading them, and whereas anybody could do the fan fiction, the new novels are based with work with the, directly with the writers of the actual exactly. script, truly closer tied to canon, canon adjacent, as we say. But I, I do so, think that um, Enterprise really had a lot going for it. I don't think that the writers and producers knew knew where to take the show. I think they spent too much time with the Zindi War and the Temporal Wars and not enough totally. time with what the fans wanted to see and for me the biggest thing about enterprise was the formation of the federation and they had all the pieces they had shran they had the tellerites they had it all going on and they never opened the door and took the step don't get me started on the final episode so um (laughs) they just didn't give us what we wanted but this episode I found it to be, in the words of Spock, fascinating. And it opened up a whole bunch of possibilities. And the Vulcan, and and first of all, I mean, she lies. Tamir outright lies at the end of the episode. And if you remember in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, my personal favorite movie, um, when Captain Claw says to Spock, Captain Kirk, hand him over and we'll spare your lives. And Spock says, Captain Kirk isn't here. And Claw says, you're lying. And what does Spock say? I'm a Vulcan. I'm incapable of lying. Captain Kirk is on the shuttlecraft. So Spock outright says it. There's no way you can deny it. He says, I'm a Vulcan. I'm incapable of lying. Yet, here's Tamir outright lying to her Vulcan superiors and saying that he died in the crash and they cremated his body. A lie. A plain outright lie. Um, the greater so, the needs of the many, Jim. <laughs> yes, the needs of the many. <laughs> so, the many. She you know, had to make a judgment call. You know, what are you going to do? I, I, I think she made the right call, right? So but it's fascinating, right? But she definitely, uh, you know, uh, she comes right out and does it so i don't know i don't know yeah i think and, it's it's really interesting because that uh 
our good friend Eric, right? He's been encouraging me to go back and uh, watch a bunch of these uh, enterprises, and Carbon Creek was one of them. And I haven't watched most of these since the series first came on, right? And uh, and it definitely had some rough sledding during the first season or so. And I totally agree with you with the whole Zindi thing, the temporal war thing. They got they really got bogged down with some of that stuff, and it didn't seem like they were telling the story the fans wanted to hear. But in the middle of all that stuff, there's some great episodes in there, and there's some great characters. You mentioned Shran a couple minutes ago, the Andorian, and he's at the top of the list. That's a great character. And some really interesting stuff going on there. And how we were talking about last week, how we're going to have an Andorian as a main character showing up on uh, Strange New Worlds in a few weeks, right? Super exciting. And I'm very curious to see if they have any, like, references to him and stuff. I kind of feel like he's a really unsung character of of uh, the franchise and I kind of really am coming around to the point where I think uh, I think Enterprise kind of got a raw deal. Uh, I, I agree. It's going to be yeah. one of those shows that, yeah. uh, that fans start to embrace after the fact. I really think though what shot him in the face, oh my God, theme song. <laughs> you know what? If Enterprise had if they had it, if they had like a Jerry Goldsmith sweeping, um, you know, orchestral type theme song that wasn't so '90s and dated, because let's face it, Star Trek fans are supposed to be open-minded and whatnot, but they can be pretty frugal sometimes. And you know, they hear the theme song and immediately we hate it. We don't like the theme song. They shut it off and they walk away, and they never give it a chance beyond that. Unfortunately. This was one of those episodes, I think, that people missed, that if they actually had watched it, they may have found something very enjoyable that opens up a realm of possibility in this particular episode. Like, what is the Vulcan doing on Earth? Where did he go? What did he do? Did he create some new religion somewhere? Is he responsible for transparent aluminum? Uh, I mean, you know... (laughs) What did he do on Earth? What is he doing on Earth? We don't know. And no one has asked that question. Just well, it's, Jim, it's cool we, story, though. Cool story potential yeah. there, don't man. We kinda, I'd, love to, I'd love to see him do it. Don't we kind of argue at times that well, we debate at times that because Star Trek spends so much time doing serialized, that they left so many of their stories open that we never got an answer to what happened to people? Yeah. I'll give you an example today. I was wandering through, oh, BBC America's doing their TNG set. I'll go ahead and watch a couple episodes. And... I got to revisit Thomas Riker. If it wasn't for one DS9 episode, we would never know what had, what had ever happened to Thomas Riker. And we we still really don't. Well, we know he's but, a monkey. And right. he got in prison. And he's probably in a prison system somewhere. But that's it. Yeah, I thought Thomas Riker actually died in the Kardashian prison. That's what I heard. Well, they never, they never, 
we don't really know actually, but but that's that's old Star Trek. They they did that. Star Trek people that are saying that they want to go back. We only get ten episodes, um, and I you know how many times in Star Trek did they just fly away? I mean, I was watching Silicon Silicon Avatar yesterday, and you know this woman comes on the Enterprise, hijacks the ship's computers, programs them to kill the Silicon Avatar. She kills it against Picard, uh, Picard's orders. Um, and then Picard says, bring her to her quarters, and they fly away, and that's the end. We, uh, that's it. It's over. We don't know what happened afterwards. We don't know. They go on to the next thing. I mean, that's just the way they wrote things back then. So yep. I think audiences want a little more than that. But before we run out of time, though, I usually what I like to do is I like to include the fans in as much of our discussion as possible, which is why we have a phone number, 646-668-2433, so that you guys can call and talk to us rather than just us babbling. We want to hear from you guys. I always ask on our Facebook page, what do you guys, the fans, think about this episode? And, you know, we always have Eric read off what you guys thought so that you're represented Okay, but we can't do that with this episode. So what I did is I went and I got some of the um, critical responses from 2002 about this episode. And IGN gave the episode a 7 out of 10, a good rating, saying it's better than the ads might made it seem. Uh, well, that ad was a joke. It was just like a 20-second little, yeah. Um, it's better than the ads made it seem. And we're thankful that it did not have anything to do with time travel. They were positive about the nostalgia and the fish out of water moments and enjoyed the episode, even though they found it very predictable. Uh, Michelle Eric Green of Trek Nation compared it to the film October Sky and the Deep Space Nine episode Little Green Men, calling it a derivative but fairly delightful episode. Green said the episode is worthwhile just for Mistral who combines enthusiasm and open-mindedness with Spock-like deadpan humor. She praised the episode for getting the right balance of humor and drama, a well-crafted performance, and very fun visuals. In 2009, Den of Geeks ranked Carbon Creek as the second best episode of Star Trek Enterprise. In 2017, Den of Geek included Carbon Creek on their list of the 50 best all-time Star Trek episodes. Those are two pretty high praises right there. Whoa. Um, that's great. Star- and that's, yeah. In 2015, Carbon Creek was included in Geek.com's 35 Greatest Moments of All Time in Star Trek. In 2016, Trek News Net rated Carbon Creek fourth in their list of the top 10 essential episodes to watch of Star Trek Enterprise. They said it was just good, wacky fun watching Vulcans try to adapt and blend in with humanity and watch I Love Lucy. And finally, Carbon Creek was nominated for a Hugo Award in the category of Best Dramatic Presentation for a Short Film, but lost out to Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Singing with Dead People, which I don't, don't think I saw. Um... So that's what I have on Carbon Creek, and uh, yeah. So do you, do you guys agree with those assessments? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, this episode, um, there's a couple that I – this one and uh, Regeneration with the Borg are two episodes that I would say, if you've never watched Enterprise, watch those two. Yeah, um, I think that's good it, advice, you know. It, it, you know. Oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think that those two episodes would be enough to get you interested. If they piqued your interest and you enjoyed what you saw and you liked the characters, then there's other episodes that I would recommend after those two. But but Regeneration and Carbon Creek are the two episodes that I would recommend to somebody who's never seen Enterprise to wet your whistle for the series. Well, I okay. think they're both good. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw in one that doesn't tie in – Two, two episodes that are completely independent of the entire series that gives you an interesting taste of what Enterprise could do. And we see the after effects of this episode multiple times. It's in the mirror darkly. Where they actually yeah. even change the theme song yeah. of the episode. And- and I, I understand where I completely agree, but the reason why I don't mention that episode is because that episode is not uh, based in the Star Trek universe. It's the alternate universe and not the characters that we're actually uh, right. dealing with on Enterprise, but I do agree with you. That would be one of the episodes I would, that would be a pair actually, of episodes I would follow up with. Yeah, that those episodes actually do intertwine with the prime universe of Star Trek because the ship, the the USS Defiant, goes missing into the Mirror Darkly. So technically, it has a tie-in with the original yeah. series. Mirror Darkly so goes in web. the Tholian inter- web, and then we have reference of them in the comics, and I think Discovery may have reference. Yes, because Emperor Giorgio got a hold of the technology from the Defiant in the Mirror Universe in that in Discovery Season One. She was completely aware of it. But um, let's see. We have a caller on the line, guys. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name? Where are you calling us from tonight? Shana, but I just got back from Chicago. So should say Chicago or Kentucky? Oh, shit. <laughs> How was the convention? Oh, I had such a good time. Not as much as, as Vegas, just because Vegas is five days. So it was only three days, but it was still a lot of fun. So. More importantly, how was Anson Mount? Was he as awesome in person? Was he really cool and incredible? Yes, but th- because he is actually actively shooting, he had plexiglass. You had to wear a mask to get anywhere near him. You know, but other than that, but like he actually interacted because when I was talking about getting your signature autograph and my autograph, because I'm like, I flew to London in like 2012, I think, to get all five captains. And so I have to get yours. And he's like, thank you for adding me then. I'm like, yes, because I think you may be my favorite captain already. He's like, okay. Oh, man, I, I, I got to meet him sometime. And I'll I mail just, out your I, picture tomorrow. I just think he's so awesome. He is so cool. But anyways, yes, he anyways, is. he, I just, I, 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 anyways, so we're talking about Carbon Creek, Shannon. Did you, have you seen that episode? Mm-hmm. I probably. A couple times, yes. Yes. And what did you think? I, what did, did you like it? What did you think about it? I did like it. 
But I thought it was funny that that's how Velcro got created. Yeah. Yes, we just yeah, talked about it's... that. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. So, yeah, I did like I I did like it and explained a lot of her backstory, whether or not it was true. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier as well. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm late. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. It's just you're hitting on points that we we felt were important enough to hit on, so that we must be doing something go. right. <laughs> you are. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Paul, what do you think? Do you agree with the critics? Yeah, I think so. I think I think a big takeaway for me is just like I, I'm guessing that probably a lot of other people in my general demographic, right, who came off of deep space nine and came off of Voyager and they were like, you know, and then this, you know, they, they heard the theme song and they kind of like drove off road. They're like, this isn't my Star Trek. I'm out. Right. For some reason <laughs> or another, it just didn't connect with them. And I'm, I'm, and cause I, I do kind of feel that it's, you know, it's got a little bit of that, like you were saying, that redheaded stepchild recommendation. Right. But I think it is totally, uh, a series that's worth giving a second look to after a bunch of time has passed, right? And I would say this is a great episode that Jim picked here tonight, that if you're like going, why are they talking about Enterprise after all this time, right? What You know, if you're having that question and you haven't had a chance to go back, I would say watch this episode and give it a – because there's quite a few on here that amongst some of the other uh, plot lines and, and, uh, and narrative threads that are really worth giving, uh, giving a second look to. But I think this is a great one to, to go back in because it's very different. Very little time it's been on the ship, and it's just good, old-fashioned, reliable science fiction storytelling that's very human, and, uh, and the characters <laughs> are really engaging, and it's fun. So, yeah, give it a shot. I, I would definitely say uh, I'm, it, it inspired me to want to go watch a lot more older episodes of Enterprise because I think I was kind of guilty of dismissing it a lot. But there's some good stuff in here. And I think, Jim, you know, uh, Regeneration is probably next on my list, brother. I was waiting <laughs> for the scene when uh, when T'Pol, I'm not T'Pol, when Tamir says to, um, I can't remember the other guy's name, the guy they called Mo from from uh, the Three Stooges. <laughs> I forgot the character's name. Yeah. But Mo, uh, the, the character Mo, he says, she says, well, I want you to help me build a transstator communicator. And, and he says, I told you, it's impossible in this time frame. I was waiting for him to say, it's like bear, using stone knives and bear skins, which is what Spock <laughs> said in Guardian of Forever. But uh, they <laughs> totally. didn't quite go this. Strong, you know? right? Was it strong? It might have been. I, I just remember him as Mo because they referred to him as Mo. Yeah, totally, it's so, three Stooges deal. And didn't the, you think that, yeah. the, that the the costume that Mestral wears with that, that watch cap doesn't that evoke Spock's outfit from City on the Edge yeah. of Forever? I mean, it really yeah. has a similar look to it. It seems they like even it's a tip of the, the hat to that, right? The scene where they stole the clothes off the laundry off the line was yeah. very. Uh, <laughs> Guardian of the of yeah, yeah. sitting on the edge of forever s too. Oh, so very you know, of them. It was you know, yeah, but that's lovingly, right? I mean, the whole hiding it, your ears thing, combing the hair over your ears—that's great. I mean, that was a lovely touchdown. It was great, and and he has he's driving in the truck with the woman there, and she kisses him, and she says, "What's under your hat?" And I was like, "Yeah, uh, well, how's he going to get out of this one?" <laughs> but he, and he did. <laughs> he got out of it. 
But, yeah, I mean, I think, I really think you're right, Paul. Uh, Enterprise really gets a bad rap. And um, some of it is deserved, but not all of it. And I think there's enough good stuff in Enterprise that if people go back and give it a chance, you might find a lot of gems, a lot of hidden gems in there, like this particular episode and a regeneration. And an interesting thing about regeneration, which uh, you may or may not know, is that this, in, in regeneration, 21 minutes of the episode, almost half of it, goes by before we see any of our main characters show up in the episode. And again, I think that speaks to the strength of the writing that they had on Enterprise, where they could pull something off like that without seeing any of the main characters and still give you an engaging episode, just like this one. Speaking of uh, directors, didn't uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes ever direct any of the episodes? I'm sure that he did. I don't know off the top of my head, but he he directed everything else. I'm sure that he he did. I don't know who directed this one. I should have checked. He's a busy cat, man. He's directing everything, that guy. Yeah, yeah he's all over the place. But I th- this episode was just such a fun one. Um, like when they when they don't have any money and they're looking for currency and he becomes a pool shark, you know? And he's like, oh, it's just simple <laughs> geometry. And then he's like, well, you know, I don't have any money. And the guy's like, well, you know, I can hook up with your girlfriend there if you lose and we can pay off your <laughs> debt that way. And she's like, well, if you lose, I'll have to socialize with him. And he's like, I won't lose. And he did. Okay. You know, he, didn't. he won. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, he won. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. And, and let, let's talk about the town. It's a little mining town. And mm-hmm. uh, the kid in the episode was, was modeled, well, supposedly after G, a young Gene Roddenberry is what they say. And he gets a scholarship to college, uh, but he can't afford to go. So he, so he can't go to college and he's going to have to go work in the mines or whatever. And then Tamir goes and gives Velcro to the, I don't know who that was, the banker, whoever that guy was, the patent clerk. An investor. An investor. Inventor. Inventor. And uh, takes all that money and stuffs it in the jar so that he can go to college. Whatever happened with his character? I mean, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, he, he met, he met an alien, he hung out with an alien, he created transparent aluminum later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, for your exact note, the only time that, we'll, that uh, Frakes was on Enterprise was the final episode. He did not. I like that one. Andy oh, yeah, let's not go down that road. Yeah. So, but he guys, <laughs> If you're Jim thinking about watching Enterprise, that, okay, of all the episodes I'm going to recommend, there's one episode that I disrecommend. Do not watch These Are the Voyages. Avoid it at all costs. Just don't go there, okay? Trust uh, me I kind of like that episode. Just don't go there, all right? I, uh, I, I want to speak. I want to speak. But we never yeah, got. They, we never got the speech. Um. Yeah, don't go there. But at any rate, Carbon Creek <laughs> was a was a extremely enjoyable, extremely fun, 
lighthearted episode of Fish Out of Water, if you will. Um, and we got to see Vulcans dealing with humans in a way that we've never have before. And uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I agree with what our critics had to say about it. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it well, also, it's, Jim, one thing we got in where we always think Vulcans are emotion without emotion, and they really are focused on just their own culture, we get a Vulcan who's interested in this in this planet. He want to know he wants to know more about human culture. He's fascinated by baseball. He's fascinated by I Love Lucy. You get that whole <laughs> detail in there, and you get somebody who's atypical of most Vulcans. And that's what's great about this episode, right, is because, you know, the two of them are at such, you know, loggerheads. Is You know, Tamir is just like she's very cynical. She doesn't see – she's like all these people do is is learn to kill and make H-bombs, and she's a complete cynic. But he's glass half full. He sees the potential and the promise uh, of what's possible for mankind. So he represents Star Trek ideology better than anything. So I think there's a lot of reasons this – episode seems to resonate for all of us is because it, it, you know, you got a character who's basically, you know, reacting to human beings with that core Star Trek belief. He sees everything as the, the promise and the potential that they can be better, which is pretty great. So he really amplifies, I think, Star Trek just by his whole perspective. perspective. He's, he wants to defend the potential for people. So good stuff. And don't forget that Tamir helps him save the humans even though she knows that she shouldn't get involved, that she's trying to talk him out of it, but she still helps him do it. So she's not completely convinced in this this Vulcan ideology of leave them alone and let them kill themselves. Even though she says that she is, her actions say otherwise. I mean, she yeah, when she the has Velcro. a conversation with the kid, right? That kind of brings right, you know, and he starts talking. That's when you see a change for her. You know, before she's just like, ah, people, human beings, they're you know, cave dwellers, whatever. She's just very cynical. But <laughs> she has that moment with him, and and he he really changes her perspective, which is lovely. And huh. and and if 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 we're to believe that that's to Paul, then then that makes perfect sense that she, because later on in Enterprise, there's an episode, um, oh God, she actually marries Archer and hangs out with Archer in this, in this alternate, there, there's an, they have a long history together. Let me leave it at that. And if indeed <laughs> that was to Paul, um, if that was to Paul on earth back then, then it just, reinforces why she ends up with Archer later on down the road. Hmm. If that's her, you know, she, she volunteers to serve on an earth ship. She has a relationship with trip. Um, she gets involved with Archer. Um, and she's really a leaning. She re- without her, I, I, I don't think Archer becomes the, the heroic iconic captain that he becomes without her. Mm, so, interesting, you brother. Know, interesting. They, they, you know, kind of like Kirk without Spock. You, you know, he gets that pers- because let's remember on Enterprise, as I said earlier, 
Vulcans were dicks. They really were. They were. They were. <laughs> they were hiding in a in a, um, a monastery that was that was religious, and they were using it to spy on the Andorians, which is comp- a total dick move. Um, you know, they wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't allow the humans to, to travel at warp. And I mean, they were just doing some really dicky things. So when you when you add to Paul to that mixture. And she, because the crew doesn't trust her, Trip doesn't trust her, but then Trip, I, I don't know if you want to say he falls in love with her, although they do pawn far. Yeah. I, did the, does Trip love her? I, would you guys? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. He gets involved he with her. Okay. Probably not and, at first, but later on, she, he does. Later on, he does, yes. And she, Does he love she her? Okay, really but hold on a second. Decontamination but gel. That's, you know, that's the that. That came up. That came up yesterday at the con, anyway. But no. Um, but you're saying that's a dick yeah. move. Well, you're talking about all the guys, right? She's the only girl that you're talking about. So it might just be a dick move because it's human, or you're saying it's a dick move because it's the guys. Eh. No, I thought it was. I thought the Vulcans were just. They were dinks. All around. I mean, they. Okay, they so. well, <laughs> yeah, they were doing all kinds well, yeah, of. Yeah, we've also had issues with male Federation admirals too. Yeah. that's true. But what I mean is that with, with the way the Vulcans <laughs> were perceived, and the way the way the Vulcans were written on Enterprise, and that no one really trusted them. <clears throat> Archer himself didn't trust them because they wouldn't let his father fly the engine that he built in his warp ship. And then here comes right. Paul, and he gets to learn about Vulcans and trust a Vulcan, uh, which goes against everything in his nature. Same thing with Trip; she hates him. He he doesn't want her on the ship; doesn't need her. Uh, he falls in love with her. Um, so I think that if it was her on Earth in this episode, then you know she gets that whole ball rolling, which eventually you know, becomes the Federation. She's actually there when Archer gives the speech that we don't get to hear. Um, uh, yeah. So I think that she's a very pivotal character. And I think that if this episode, if it, depending on how you look at it, if you look at it as that was to Paul, then, mm-hmm. then there, there, there's her timeline. That explains why she does what she does on enterprise. It's a, it's a great. Well, yeah. I think yeah. I was just, one it was thing. her. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I was about to say, um, in the very first episode of Enterprise, Paul didn't want to be serving on Enterprise, I thought, right? I thought she was trying right. to get off of the Enterprise. Because this was her, she, as she mentioned, she was going to leave the first moment she could after the mission. But yeah. and I forgot what made her stay. Well, if, if you remember, um, that, that's, uh, that's one of the episodes mm-hmm. I really like. Uh, by the way, is is that first episode. Um, but when Archer gets um, immobilized and can't take command, she's second in command, and she takes command even though Trip doesn't want her to because she's not a Starfleet officer. She takes command, and she continues to do what Archer wanted her to do, even though she doesn't think it's the right thing to do, and they end up finding the mm-hmm. temporal time rift warrior thing, whatever. But she still did the captain wanted her to do. And I think that's where she earned the respect of trip 
And Archer, when he wakes up to find, and finds out that she carried out his orders, even though they were against her better judgment. But guys, we're just about out of time. And um, I read the critics' reviews because we didn't have any fan scores for this episode. So on a scale of 1 to 10, um, Charles, what would you give Carbon Creek? Oh, uh, let's try you know. a 7, 7.4. Too many holes in the store that I wish they'd filled. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. How about you, David? One to ten. What would you give it? Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna have to give this one probably an eight, just because I kind of understood a little bit more about it just by talking about it. Also, I just I think I know what happened to Mo. The Vulcan okay. who left behind on Earth. Well, it's either he died in World War Three or the eugenic wars, or he got picked up by the Vulcans in first contact. Ah, I hadn't thought about that. But you're right. When the Vulcans landed in, in, in Bozeman, Montana, he could have hitched a ride back with them. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought about that, but you're right. He, he very easily could have. And how about you, Shannon? What do you think? One to ten. Carbon Creek. Well, actually, I was going to give it an eight, but that would be a high score because I didn't like Enterprise. Even after doing the whole watching it in order, because when I did the whole thing two years ago, watch everything. I like it better after watching it again, but that's still my least favorite trick. But that was my favorite episode of all the Enterprise ones. So it was an eight. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot, too. And, Paul, you get to bring up the caboose on this one, buddy. You've heard what everyone else Sweet thought. Anchor man. I love it. I, I got to go with a nine. Uh, three little reasons. One, it's... And exemplifies Star Trek's idea of hope in the future of mankind. Uh, two, it made me want to see this story continue and learn more about what happens with like Mistral. Mm-hmm. And most importantly for three, it made me want to watch more episodes of Enterprise. It got me intrigued Ooh. and, and yeah. brought me in. So uh, it's a good uh, it's a good gateway drug, <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I describe it. It's like it will make you want more. And discover other darker corners of uh, the Archer universe. <laughs> so good idea to revisit, man. This was fun. It was fun, and I, you know what? I'm I'm right there with a nine. I was going to say eight point seven, eight point eight, but I think nine. This is one of my favorite favorite Enterprise episodes right here. I really really like this one. So uh, next week we're going to be doing. Oh, actually, before we do next week, Thursday night, you guys want to tune in because Dorothy <laughs> Bulock Erickson is going to be with us live right here, and she's going to be talking about designing the Borg Queen for Star Trek Picard. Uh, she's also going to be talking about building Spock's volcano outfit from Star Trek Into Darkness. Ooh. She's worked on just about, I could name all the movies, uh, all the Marvel movies, Batman versus Superman, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, all of them. Any movie that any of us would have watched, she probably worked on. So she's going to be talking about her favorite costumes. Uh, she's going to be telling us some stories about, uh, well, I don't want to tell you, but you got to tune in and see what, what her, uh, she's, she's designed a lot of costumes uh, for a lot of superheroes. And if you're wondering uh, what her favorite superhero costume was, you'll have to tune in and find out. Uh, so that's uh, going to be Thursday night. Wait a the hook, man. Wow. Wait it's, a the it's, hook. Right. It's going to be fun. Yeah. 
Um, I've been chatting with her online, and I can't wait to talk to her live. So it's going to be a lot of fun on Thursday night. And that brings us back to next Monday. I was talking with, uh, with Charles a little bit before the podcast about what our next cadet training would be. And I think we're going to do past tense, part one and two, which is a two-part Deep Space Nine episode. And that's where Cisco and crew go back to San Francisco to the Bell Riots, which ties right into what's going on with Starship Picard right now. Yeah. So we'll be talking about past tense, part one and part two, next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. Quick one-hour <laughs> show, in and out, done. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Uh, usually, usually we don't do Mondays, but uh, Monday just worked. So here we are. <laughs> so I want to say okay. thank you so much to Shannon for taking the time out of your busy schedule from coming back from Chicago <laughs> to talk with us and for hooking up with Anton Mouth, the man. Thank you so much, Woo-hoo! Shannon. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you so much to David for hanging out and talking with us a little bit about Carbon Creek and Enterprise. Thank you, David. You're welcome. And, of course, thank you to Paul. I know you had some technical difficulties trying to uh, hook on. I did play the con song for you three times, so you got triple con. <laughs> so, That's good, man. It was a delight to be a delight to come on board. So thanks very much. It was really fun. And I think Eric's going to be with us next week as well. So uh, we'll have the whole mm-hmm. gang together for next week quick one-hour cadet training. And, of course, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. It was fun watching Enterprise, and I agree with uh, Paul. I guess I need to go back and watch a few more episodes of Enterprise. You know, I want to – there's a lot, of, a lot of other good ones I want to pull out and shake the dust off of and let the fans know, you know, go check this one out. Go check that one out. Give You know, get, get people interested. I also want to mention, just as a sidebar, I'm all, I always have pokers in the fire. I'm always working angles. But I'm in contact with John Eves, whose birthday is today. And does anybody recognize that name? Does anybody know who John Eves is in the Star Trek world, what the relevance of John Eves is? Maybe kind of. He's maybe a designer. Sort of. Didn't he design Enterprise E? Yes, he did. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. To talk with us about designing the Enterprise E for Star Trek First Contact. So I'm working on that. He's a special cat, man. He's done a lot of great designing. He's great. Yeah, he's done a lot. So I'm I'm trying to uh, see if I can finagle, get him to come on and talk about designing the Enterprise E. So I'm working on that. And I'll let you guys know as soon as I have some definitive uh, news to give you. But I am working on that as well. So keep that in mind. I'm all, we're always trying to bring you guys some angles, something different that you don't get from other podcasts, you know, that type of thing. So I figured the designer of Enterprise E, that'd be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in on Thursday night, though, because Dorothy's going to be here, and she's got a lot of stories to talk about. If you're into cosplay, if you've already wondered how to make a costume and what goes into it, this is be your podcast. You definitely want to be here on Thursday night. So anyways, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. I want to say to everybody, please be safe and be good to each other. Make sure you check out our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. And we'll be back, same bad time, same bad channel, uh, Thursday night and then again on Monday. So without any further ado, hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
Good night. Live long and prosper. Bye, guys. Take care, friends. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.